Hello everyone, welcome to the ACTO podcast. So as you know, this is the season three and this season three we'll be talking with tech communities and we will take this as an, uh, an opportunity to also talk about technical uh, topic, top, hot topics that we have in our uh, tech world. And today we will talk about Web3, uh, DAOs and how we can apply all these concepts to talent. So with, uh, with us, we have two amazing guests, Pedro Oliveira and Francisco Leal. They both belong to Talent Protocol community. And uh, first of all, thank you both for being here with us. Um, thank you. And our first question is going to be to please introduce yourselves and talk about a bit uh, about yourselves. I don't know who wants to go first. The elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I can start, I can start, and then I'll give it to, to Pedro. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it short. Uh, so I'm Francisco, uh, currently CPTO, so uh, leading tech and product at Town Protocol, also co-founder. Um, so my background is in software development. Uh, I did a lot of web development uh, for like six years, something like that. Um, during this time, I worked uh, as a consultant for different projects, for fintechs, things like that. So um, got a bit of experience with everything. And uh, during this time, I also started looking at blockchain as like a cool tech solution. So generally, when you talk with people in Web3, most of them are like, oh, I started buying this coin and trading it and making some bucks with it when <laughs> everything was going up, right? Uh, but I kind of fell in love with the tech side and uh, I mean the trading and everything came, came a bit after I, I guess everyone also just uh, it's part of Web3 owning some tokens um, and so when Pedro talked with me and uh, he'll later on we'll talk about how Town Protocol kind of came up when he talked with me I was convinced from the get-go to jump on board and kickstart things into Town Protocol so that's uh, that's kind of how I got here. A quick intro. All right. Cool. Thank you. Uh, actually, we, me and Francisco met uh, back in the day when uh, I was still on day-to-day um, -day operations at uh, Landing Jobs, I think 2015, 16, around that period. And we were together. Interestingly enough, in um, he was doing research on, on careers. Uh, so there's just a lot of overlapping with the work we did uh, back then on that research project. Uh, but anyway, about myself, which was your your question, I always struggle a little bit to, as you get old, you always struggle a little bit to, um, you know, how to do this. It's just so easy when you're studying at uni, like I, ah. I'm studying at uni, and that's it. You know, that's kind of your label. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm going to use the same methodology as Francisco. So background first, um, I'm from Lisbon, uh, computer science. I studied at uh, uh, Technic. Um, and then I had a bit of um, early career stage where it was kind of normal uh, to have, um, you know, analysts and PM, PO. Back then, PM wasn't really a thing, but PO. And uh, all the way to leading uh, um, tech areas and leading uh, dev and product teams remotely as well. Um, and then I think the, the uh, mid later stage of my career is uh, packed with startups and founding uh, startups and leading teams. Um, uh, so Talent Protocol is my fourth startup uh, before this one. And I, I guess... Uh, one that would be a career medal is my previous one is uh, landing.jobs. Also quite responsible for me knowing a lot about the HR technology uh, industry um, and everything in it uh, because it's been like a deep dive in, in that industry and also falling in love with, with that industry. Um, my my purpose in life is to, to build products that allow people to be more productive and have a purpose at work because I think work is a fundamental part of uh, life uh, as well and gives us purpose um, as humans. And uh, I want to keep 
building in this space. I know for so a lot of people, HR is kind of boring, but I think the HR technology is a um, fundamental thing for how we uh, do things, how we develop society and, and work itself. Um, about Web3, just to use the same methodology as Francisco, about Web3, I also came in not through the, the crypto part, the trading, all that. Actually, that was always a, a factor that kept me away. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. It didn't excite me, that part. You know, like I've done stock trading before. It's kind of a similar thing, with, but just with, with uh, a different narrative. It never really attracted me. Yeah, I was in the space more for the technology like Bitcoin, Ethereum since the beginning, but kind of investing in that technology, not as a trader, so super long-term approach. And when I stepped down from landing jobs as active role, um, one, not even two years ago, uh, and uh, I started a sabbatical and one of the topics among others, uh, one of the topics that I, I, I studied and I went deeper was blockchain as a technology at first, but then I understood that, and I think we're going to talk about it in, in today's uh, conversation is I understood that there's a lot of implications um, for human society, for the world, uh, and for HR technologies in particular that I felt like, okay, uh, this is very interesting. So that's when I deep dive into the space. No, for sure. And that's, you know, that's probably, you know, a, a brilliant segue for, you know, for definitely for two things that we, that we definitely have in mind, right? So one is, you know, we've been talking about, you know, talent protocol and, um, and so I think that for anyone that is listening to us, uh, it would be awesome if you can really kind of give an explanation and we know what the community is about. Um, and I think that, you know, later on, because we're talking so much right now about, you know, Web3, the technology, I think that the, at the later stage, if I want to ask you, you know, how this, how this combination emerged. Uh, but I think that, you know, first things first, you know, <clears throat> who can tell us, you know, what, what protocol is and so that everyone that is watching HCTO understands what the community is about. Yeah, I think I can I can have a go. Francisco, feel free to to um, compliment it if you, if you want it. The the then think the easiest way uh, to to pitch town protocol is like uh, to the to another builder from builder to builder. Like you're more than than just a job title or a LinkedIn or Twitter bio. Um, we want to enable you to express express who you really are at work, but not only at work, and show what you care about. Um, but also we want to uh, give you absolute control over how you are represented online and how your work is represented online. Um, and is in a way that is not with strict templates, okay? And having said that, uh, we are building, in order to do this, we are building a Web3 professional community and a platform for high potential builders uh, where uh, people can uh, their, uh, create their verifiable on-chain CV or resume and find the support that they need in order to succeed in their careers. Um, so this is kind of the, the, the pitch. You can go on talentprotocol.com, set up your profile, and from that moment onwards, you don't need to connect your crypto wallet or or launch your token. You can do that as well, but you can use it as if it was a Web2 experience. Um, and you can have access to opportunities, education. So there's, there's a lot of things that we're building around um, you know, creating your interoperable and your own your own data or, or the data owned by you profile. So this is kind of the way I see it. Um, Francisco, not sure if you want to compliment it in any way. No, no. I I, I think you you've got um, uh, it, it's it's a good pitch. What I would just add is that. Um, we are really trying to um, bring more visibility into the talent space by by having an exemption that's not uh, normal, I guess, which is at least in Web3. And when, if we talk a bit about tokens, we can also talk a bit more yeah. about this. But in Web3, 
um, there's a lot of talk about scarcity, right? So it's good that there are not a lot of resources because that means that the resources that exist have more value, right? Um, and so usually when we think about tech companies, everyone has trouble hiring, right? Because um, developers, designers, product managers, the, those are scar scarce resources, right? There are few yeah. of those. Uh, but uh, we actually believe that uh, there just aren't enough opportunities and there aren't enough ways of bringing visibility into kind of the hidden talent that exists uh, out there. So one of the goals for our community is also to be able to create the incentives and the ways to kind of finding this talent that uh, perhaps doesn't have access to the best opportunities. Um, and kind of bring them uh, those opportunities closer. So, um, yeah, I would just add that. Yeah, very well. And some other thing. And so how is this different, you know, from, you know, from, because I think that it can be easy to, you know, to, to you know, to, to think that, you know, like Talent Protocol and LinkedIn and this and that, you know, it's pretty much all the same, you know, but I, I think that it's, you know, it becomes clear that actually it's not, and we're talking about something as meaningful right now as, you know, owning our own sort of data, uh, which I think that it brings a definitely a, a big difference, you know, from, you know, from the web two to the web three. Um, do you think, you know, that the, the big difference that we see here is around that, or you think that definitely um, talent protocol is, is pretty much, you know, disrupting uh, that the, the industry and, and definitely kind of, you know, and becoming a big player? Uh, on, on what, you know, talent means, you know, from an online standpoint. I mean, we can have the same approach here. Um, I'll go first and then you compliment. So, look, definitely LinkedIn is a good uh, comparison because it creates uh, uh, mental frameworks and it's easier for people to understand what we're yeah. building. And um, so, and by the way, we're in touch with uh, LinkedIn's Web3 teams um, because oh, they're really yeah. interested in what we're building. I mean, the way we're building is open source and building in public. So if LinkedIn wants to take our code and do it on their own, we're more than happy for that to, to happen. So that's I awesome. Think one of the, one of the biggest differences is how we are building. Uh, so LinkedIn is shareholder, shareholder, uh, um, driven. Okay. In this case, Microsoft, uh, driven. Um, and uh, we we are uh, community driven. This means what my my stake in the future economy on Talent Protocol is very little compared to, for instance, in previous startups I had in Web two, where the founders have a huge stake uh, sure. uh, and and the shareholders driven in essence. So I think that's one major difference. And if you go on my my Talent Pro Protocol profile. Uh, you can see also uh, future steps that I want to take in my career. And one of them is stepping down as CEO of Talent Protocol, not to have another person coming in as CEO, just uh, sunsetting the role of CEO. Um, and uh, that's the second big difference for LinkedIn is LinkedIn is very focused on present and past. And uh, Talent Protocol is very focused on the future. Um, and that creates a, a, a massive uh, difference. Other differences, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll close with these two. And I think there are major differences. Uh, one of them is the, the way we create the talent protocol is, and to enable people to have success in their careers is to um, almost like a vouching system. We call it investment, but it's a vouching uh, system, a staking mechanism in, in essence in, in the DeFi world. That would be a staking mechanism where people can stake uh, on other people. And that's the way I'm saying if I stake on Pedro Torres, I, I believe in you. If I stake on Sada, I believe in, in Sada. It's a belief economy. Okay. And uh, this creates a reputational um, uh, framework and the reputational data um, around the social graph. Okay, then it's more serious than a common referral in LinkedIn, right? Because we are talking, it's, it's almost like a much more serious sort of voucher. Yeah, it's skin and in the game. Like, there you go. Exactly. There is skin in the game when that happens. Um, uh, when you stake on someone, the money isn't given to that person. It's staked on a smart contract. So you can then stake it at some point and invest in someone else or or 
keep keep uh, hold it there. So it's up to you, to the supporter, to do whatever they want. But this is a massive difference in, in functionality and in purpose compared to LinkedIn. I would say the last one is something we don't have yet, but we're working very hard on, which is having verified journeys. So this means not having only having that focus on the future, but also for the present and the past to verify the journeys, okay? And this can be a peer-to-peer -peer verification or an institutional verification. And this is something, by the way, that I think LinkedIn, they could use the power of Web3 to have a go at it. And I think it would benefit uh, the, the work uh, um, society if they, they would do that. And I know by fact from their team that one of the biggest problems they have is that there's people doing background checks on other people with LinkedIn data. And LinkedIn data is not verified no. at all. Yeah, I can even go. I can even go further. Sorry, Francisco. That is, you have people on LinkedIn saying that other people worked in the company, and so we can even create circles of a line. Let's say all of a sudden we all, the four of us, we put that we worked on Google in 2013. And then, you know, I'd say that Sarah did that. Sarah says about Pedro. Pedro said about Francisco. Francisco said about me. And we are kind of verifying yeah. ourselves and, and into that point. And so I think it's so easy to really to kind of to mislead people and create some sort of, yeah. you know, fake reputation that that definitely brings some more clarity and honesty to the process. Yeah. And also lack of um, proof of humanity as well. Like, how do you know it's not a bot you're dealing with? So one of the things we do on Channel Protocol, we verify, but our verification is kind of like the... Twitter blue check mark, but you don't have to pay the eight dollars per month. It's it's a, a proof of humanity. You are who you say you are. Okay. Now we do that with our ambassadors, but we're now automatizing that. Um, so it's done by I think it's persona. It's a, a tool that that does that. Uh, kind of like with your national ID card, just proving that you're a human and you say we say you are. And uh, I think that's also another level of identity verification that. LinkedIn could have they don't. So all in all, we're building um, a better uh, professional ecosystem for, and we're focusing on builders, so people uh, building in the Web3 space. So that's our focus. It can be for anyone. I mean, if you, if you are a car uh, driver or bus driver, whatever, you can also create your profile on Channel Protocol. But, you know, we are, our marketing is focused on, on Web3 builders. That's, that's our main focus. Yeah, so uh, I would just compliment because I think that Pedro really did a great job in in showcasing that the um, the building in public side of things, in the sense that uh, in Web three, given the way that uh, most blockchains work, um, the value right where who's holding what tokens, um, how much money they have, the interactions that you have between wallets, everything is public by default. And so a lot of companies in this space are actually building in public. And this creates a, a bigger mindset of collaboration. Yeah. So okay. um, e even ourselves, we are partnering up with other companies in the talent space, right? So for instance, we are not focused on the work side of things, right? We're not focused on if you want to do a certain job and you want to get paid for it, maybe you can use a web tree to enable that to enable the, the, that matching uh, for work opportunities, right? We're not super focused on that. We do have opportunities. We want to bring value to the community, but it's not our main focus. Our main focus is more on the profile, on the network, as Pedro mentioned. So we are just partnering up. We are trying to create synergies between these different uh, companies, organizations, whatever, uh, DAOs, um, however you want to call them. Um, to just make sure that we have a good ecosystem because it's still so early in Web3 that none of these tools already exist. Yeah. And so partnering up is uh, what makes sense to make sure that we can grow the space together. That's one of the, the things I'm most afraid of is it's so easy to cooperate and collaborate in, in, um, in the Web3 space. And I'm, I think to myself, is it because... And only because it's so early in the space, mm, or okay. is it a feature of the space? I want to believe it's a feature of the space, but at the same time, I'm not naive, and I know it's because it's so early, it's just so easier to partner up and do things together. 
Um, either way, we're taking full advantage of that for the time being. Sure, but I mean, you, you, I mean, I, I know you, so I know your background. So you were also part of like the startup boom in the beginning. Did you feel the the sim those similar vibes at the time with uh, with normal uh, and with, with startups? Uh, that yeah, there, there was. <laughs> Yeah, the sorry, we, we just uh, no, that's awesome. Story. I love it. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's definitely a good question. So, that's just to position this in terms of timeline that would be 2012 until oh, 2015. Right. Beginning um, of startup, please, right? yeah. please, yeah, around the, that period, those three, four years. Um, it's it's hard to coin specifically, but yeah, it was a long time ago, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, there was a lot of collaboration between um, founders and uh, and teams, but the world was so different. First of all, remote wasn't really a thing back then, so it mm -hmm. was more like uh, uh, you know in real life and stuff. So nowadays, it's like collaborating with whoever, wherever, and that's amazing. Um, so there's a big difference there. And another thing is the nature itself of Web 2 is more competitive than Web 3. You know, like uh, what I said in the beginning, like I'm uh, both me and Francisco, each one of us has 2.5% um, uh, of the, the token economy we will launch at some point, only 2.5%. And um, on, when I started, for instance, landing jobs, I had 50% of the company. I think this, this creates... Um, just the way you operate is very different. And also another thing, Web3 is typically open source by default. So that's also a big difference. So there's, there's big differences there, but in terms of vibe, you know, vibe, uh, there's some similarities. Um, some. So eventually, as as we end, you know, the uncharted territory stage, eventually we might end up with a little bit more of competition, um, and that's probably, you know, uh, uh, some something super interesting. That is, it's it's really early right now in the in the in terms of, of industry maturity. Like, is it fair to say that you know we we are still to see a lot of you know Web three? Can we say that the best is still to come, or that we are going to a a next level of maturity? Or do you think that we are already in a very good stage and that we are pretty much you know, already we already crossed the chasm, so to speak? Um, I, I, I can start. I think there's still a long way to go. Just thinking about, uh, in, I mean, for for Web3 products and Web3 in general to kind of go mainstream, there just needs to be more regulation in the space. Uh, to protect like the average consumer, right? I mean, um, it's it's so easy to mess mess things up in Web three uh, because it's so complicated. And I invite anyone here that uh, has never uh, even tried to to mess around with Web three to kind of just uh, install something called MetaMask and don't use more than ten euros or ten dollars because most likely you might end up losing it. That's the sad reality. But, um, and, and just try to use uh, some products and, and you'll see the, the huge difference that we, that, uh, and the huge path forward that we still have to go in terms of, uh, of an ecosystem. Um, I mean, one, one of the things that we at Town Protocol did, I mean, we, we work in seasons, so we've already like done big revamps of our, of our product and our platform. And people um, have, in the beginning, they compared us with other Web3 companies because uh, the core at the time was very Web3. It was launching your own token and things like that, right? So they compare our experience with Web3 and people said, oh my God, this is a great experience. But uh, we, with our Web2 background, we looked at the product and it's like, we still have miles and miles to go <laughs> to have a good experience. But this is just Web3 so hard that even um, someone that thinks a little bit about the experience in the product and so on is able to achieve a better experience than most companies uh, in Web3. I think this has also to do that uh, blockchain as a very theoretical start 
I mean, people for the projects are still writing white papers, which are essentially uh, papers as you write when you're doing research for your PhD or something like that, yeah. right? So, I mean, if that's like the, the core for a product, then there's something wrong with it in a way. Just because, I mean, you can't expect someone to, to go into your platform and read a, a whole paper, super theoretical, full of math, telling you how the tokens work and so on before you start using it, right? So, I mean, things need to become way simpler. Uh, it needs to be a lot safer for the average consumer. Um, and yeah, uh, and the experience as well. I think it really needs to improve before we are getting there. But we have a lot of bright minds. There are a lot of projects working on solving this issue. So I think that uh, we're on the, the good path forward. Yeah, you mentioned, yeah. That, you mentioned there that it can be dangerous and uh, it's complex. And you are talking about a lot of new things that many yeah, of us are right. not familiar uh, <laughs> with it yet. And I'm curious about two things. Do you, do you think we need to make it easier before we make people educated on these on these technologies? And I'm curious mm -hmm. also about your community. So since you are talking about new technologies, which is something that people are not familiar with, but we are also talking about the, the talent. And there, everyone is concerned about their uh, careers, right? So I'm curious about how people reach out to your community. Is people that are more interested in technology and know, wants to know more about Web3 or it's people that want to have a boost in their careers and they just found mm -hmm. out, oh, let me learn about these. And now are you trying to educate those people about these technologies as well? Yes, I think, ooh, great question. The, the, uh... The, um, starting with the, the second one, and then you'll have to refresh on my memory. And the first one, the second yeah, sure. one is um, on the community. It's kind of like, uh, it's not black and white. There's there's a lot of mix. We have people coming in. Um, they're looking for work uh, in Web3, people that want mentor mentoring, people that want mentor others, people that are fundraising, uh, people that need scholarships to, to study. Um, we have many different... Uh, um, types of people with different needs uh, coming through. Um, definitely, there's a, a big block of people that are excited about Web3. Uh, and that's great. I mean, that's so legit and, and we want to be there uh, to embrace them. And for those, probably it's easier for them to, to take full advantage of all the functionality that Town Protocol delivers them because probably they'll already have a MetaMask that they, they connect with. They'll uh, understand uh, the token dynamics and they'll launch their own token to build their community of supporters. So it's it's probably easier for those, for those who, who are not, and it's a big chunk of people as well. Um, the way, and taking what Francisco just said, because we know the experience, uh, the Web2 experience kind of is not the best right now. Uh, what we did is if you go now on talentportugal.com and, and sign up, it's like any other platform. You know, you can even sign in with LinkedIn, you know, and, and, and bring your data from there to Talent Portugal. Oh, nice. It's when you start to want to verify your profile, uh, launch your token. That's when, you know, things start getting interested. But we decided to have an experience um, almost like uh, you have a, a, a basic experience, okay, it's almost like a Web2 experience, you can have a profile, but it's not verified, the journey is not verified. You don't have all those interesting things that why we're building this, and then an intermediate where you can launch almost like a career NFT represents all that includes all your career metadata and then like a, a more advanced one which is when you launch your your career circles your you create your community of supports and people can stake on you so we decided to take it almost like a three-step uh approach um to to this but we get people from all over the place and with, with different needs uh we are thinking about building a 
uh, a boot camp, like an educational boot camp. It's almost like an organic and natural evolution for talent protocol. We've been asked so many times, when do you guys do the course? Um, and the course mostly going to be uh, focused on, you know, intro to Web3, kind of, kind of that. So that community getting into Web3 is very interesting for us. New talent, it's almost like minting new talent. I, I can remind the, the first question. Which yeah, is yeah, about yeah. All around the education because we yeah, talk about complex <laughs> things and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's so, a good segue to to yeah, 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 it was yeah. perfect. Uh, <laughs> it's a continuation. Yeah, <laughs> circle, full circle back into the first question. Yeah. So look, uh, if we, this is my opinion. If we go back um, a few years ago. Um, uh, when we had computers, you know, the, the same arguments, well, it's complex and maybe potentially dangerous were sad about computers first and then the internet second and then e-commerce third and then eventually mobile and gaming and all the other industries. Those arguments have been used. Um, and there's the, this is the thing that kind of makes it a bit sad is that there is people in this world who will not... Um, take full advantage of, of uh, this new technology the same way there is still people in the world who never did a transaction online, okay? And they will never, well, they will die without doing um, transaction online, which is fine. I mean, if they can live with, with that, it's totally okay. And uh, we've lived with that uh, for a long time. What I feel is, for instance, my on my family side, my mother only really started um, you know, came into e-commerce when she had a mobile and she could order an Uber. Mm. That was her entry. First transaction. <laughs> that first transaction. I think we're miles away from non-Web3 or what we call the normies having that first transaction, okay? Uh, the ideal and the, the initial sales pitch of, of blockchain was killing the banks, you know, not needing the banks, uh, not trusting the banks. But I think that doesn't um, hit the, the, the normal person in the Western and, and developed societies. That's a very interesting sales pitch for people in countries where their institutions cannot be trusted, okay? countries like Venezuela and other countries. I don't, I don't want to go into specific yeah. regions, but there's, no there's a lot of regions in the world where crypto is not an opportunity or Web3 is not an opportunity. It's a need. Okay. So I, I think we need to, uh, especially the four of us, we, we, we live in a, a region where we still have a stable-ish uh, economy and uh you know, say what it will, but our institutions can still be at least half trusted. I mean, if you need a, a passport or an ID card, you'll get it. Or uh, if you have any problem with, with justice, maybe you can get some amount of justice that some people would disagree on me, with me on that one, but okay. Um, and if you want to open a bank account, you can, uh, just because you have your um, uh, national ID card. And there's a lot of places in the world where you can't do that. And um, sometimes when we talk about Web3, the fundamentals for us, maybe they're not very interesting, but there's a lot of other things there are, like what we talked about with uh, certifications and verification or all of that, that is closer to what we need. But for other regions in the world, just that is enough. And, and, and Web3 and crypto make sense and it's absolutely necessary for, for them. I know a lot of projects working in those dimensions, uh, especially uh, universal basic income and these sort of things where um, yeah, it just awesome. makes sense. Web3 makes sense for them. Super cool. I'm glad that you brought the banks and crypto topic because now I can ask, is there any difference between tokens and cryptos? And if there is, which how can we also teach that to, to people? Because I think sometimes it, there ex exists a big confusion around these topics. For sure. How yeah. can we make this explanation easy? <laughs> Sorry, everyone, to understand. 
Yeah, I, I think I can uh, start with this one. So um, crypto doesn't exist without tokens, but tokens can exist without crypto. I think this is the, the, the easiest thing. Yep. Um, so crypto, to me, it's speculation around tokens. That's pretty much it. Because uh, in Web3, um, essentially what we're talking about is transaction of tokens between entities. Okay, like the blockchain is just like um, a database that has like the whole history of what was created, who transferred tokens to who, um, and who interacted with who. That's pretty much what it does in, in its simplest form. So, and you can ex essentially exchange tokens between people. Um, and so it's what you do around these tokens that brings them value. And if you give them value and you give them a utility, that means that you can use this token to do something in the world, right? Then it will have some value. And if it has some value, then you can enter in the crypto side of things where, okay, if this token has value, then maybe it will get more value in the future. So I can bet on it, right? So that's what uh, crypto enters. But tokens are a lot more than crypto. I mean, um, there's this whole um, side of uh, Web3, which is called token economics, which is a super complex area where you essentially are just trying to define um, how your token works in a sense that uh, a lot of projects in Web3 use their tokens to kind of fundraise. So instead of having equity or something like that, they use the tokens and you sell tokens to the community um, uh, to, to get funds. Uh, it's a, a normal way for it to happen. And so then essentially what uh, companies try to do is they essentially use this token as incentives for actions to happen. So it's very normal when we talk about tokens to talk about incentives. So what's the incentives that we want to to essentially uh, reward in our platform so if we talk let's talk about ethereum or uh, maybe bitcoin i think bitcoin is even more famous than ethereum so for instance how does bitcoin get generated it's through miners right so essentially the whole token incentive um, of bitcoin is around okay the more people that are mining right uh, the more bitcoin we generate and so um, the incentive for you to be on the Bitcoin network is to mine and get Bitcoin out of it, right? So that's what we want to incentivize. The behavior that we want to incentivize is for people to be miners. And then there needs to be an ecosystem around Bitcoin that brings it value and utility. Um, and so then you can create incentives. Let's say this isn't true, but it could be, but it wasn't how Bitcoin was designed. But let's say that maybe if you um, did some action on the Bitcoin uh, space, for instance, you did a transaction or you exchanged tokens with someone, you also got some Bitcoin. Then in that sense, we would be using also Bitcoin to incentivize people to transact value between each other. That isn't the case, but it could be. It just wasn't designed that way. So tokens allow you to create these interesting uh, ways for you to incentivize people to do certain actions, have certain behaviors, and punish others. Um, so I think that's kind of uh, why tokens are such a bigger thing than crypto. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope that. Uh, no, no, for sure. Like it was such a such a clear explanation, and you know, and that kind of begs the question: that is, now that we understand, you know, that tokens and crypto are a different thing. You know, in twenty twenty two, we saw a lot of crypto. Um, you know, crashes, you know, the stock market, you know, we saw crypto.com, FTX, so many of them. And just like you're saying very well, one thing is crypto, another thing is tokens. Do you yeah. think that because we are seeing, you know, the crypto crashing, that somehow you might get some sort of kind of, you know, ripple effect and, and have some less interesting reputation because people might think, oh, sure, you know, it's th those those guys of the crypto and actually, it's not the case, right? It's something completely different. And so do yeah. you see any sort of impact or is that a concern for you? Or you're not being affected at all with what we are seeing today with the crypto crashes? Um, uh, I, can, I can have a go. Um, saying we're not affected at all would be a lie. 
Um, financially, our um, community assets were safe. Um, we we had a bit of luck uh, with the so that there's just to to for people listening right now, and I don't know when this podcast will come up, but right now as we we record this, there has been essentially two moments, two important moments. Uh, one was the kind of like okay, the the fun and games are over, which was when Luna crashed. Luna yeah. is um, um, a very was a very relevant uh, ecosystem in the Web3 space. Um, kind of we have like people who believe in Bitcoin, people who believe in Ethereum. Luna was up there, top five projects, let's put it like this. From night to day, it disappears. Okay, not entirely, but crash, massive yeah, crash. We were lucky because we were able to um, uh, remove our assets from that ecosystem three or four days before the crash. Uh-huh. We were lucky in that sense. Um, and after that, we put our all our assets in a safe uh, um, uh, space. Okay, and and so the the second crash, which was uh, uh, some weeks ago, was when FTX, which is a central centralized exchange. I think this is important to say it's a centralized exchange. Okay, so it's not very transparent, and um, it's kind of like the. The opposite of what uh, what, what, what this is be. supposed to be. <laughs> There's some advantages in having centralized exchanges like Coinbase, for instance. Their app is you just install the app and you're ready to go, right? So mm-hmm. that they make it easy. All all that uh, experience they make that experience look easy for you. But when I say you, is usually traders or people who want to do something with with crypto, which is not exactly my crew. Um, so. Uh, that crashed and we were already financially okay. Uh, so we, we didn't get affected with that. What got, what affected us was, you know, overall reputation, especially the second crash. Why? Because the, 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 the founder of the second crash, which was arrested today uh, by the Bahamas authorities, um, E. Sam Bankman uh, Fried, Friedman, uh, SBF, for, for sort of the, the guy, uh, it was kind of like a superpower within the Web3 space, uh, uh, a good actor. People would look, look up to him. And in the end, it was not that. It was a Bernie Madoff. That's it. This is just the way it is. Much worse than Bernie Madoff. Why? Because he was, for instance, the second largest donor to the Dem- Democrats in the United States. To Biden, um, he crazy. was uh, uh, buying journalists uh, and and publications, and he was owner uh, uh, of some of these. So it was really like Bernie Madoff t- times one hundred. So it creates a reputational backlash yeah. to the whole ecosystem, and almost like uh, confirmation bias. People will say, "Oh, crypto is a scam." They will say, "You see." It is. And yeah. it's like for people like me and Francisco, we didn't come in into this place because of that, the trading part. So when we look at that, what we see is, you know what? That's a centralized exchange. Everything that was decentralized is cool, up and running, working. We don't trust the people, SPF. We trust the code, smart contracts. That's what we trust. Um, and that's the... the um, Kind of like the, the, the stance of, of crypto and, and blockchain should be exactly that. It's like, look, we humans want to be able to cooperate with each other a lot better. Um, but the problem is the humans. So why don't we use code for transactions, for econ- finance and economy, but also for governance? We can talk about DAOs next. Um, to help humans trust, trust each other more and therefore build better things together and uh, coordinate and orchestrate things together in a better way. And that's, you know, the beauty of, of blockchain, which, you know, blockchain doesn't appear like that. I mean, the, the, the backbone of blockchain is distributed systems, 
And uh, all of us in this call and people listening to this call, I mean, that's nothing new for us. Um, so, Indeed. I mean, yeah, so I think I answered your question. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, it would be awesome, you know, to be to be talking, you know, the, the entire time here with you folks. Uh, but, you know, we, we also need to be mindful of time. And, and just like I usually say, we really need to land the plane on this one. Uh, it's been super interesting. And actually, I lost track of time talking about Web3 and, you know, crypto token. I think it's been super interesting. Uh, but right now we have, you know, two last questions you know, for us to end the show today. And, you know, these two questions that we brought for, you know, for you today, you know, it's pretty much for people to know you a little bit better. And so, you know, I will, I will ask the first one, Sarah, you will ask the second one, if you don't mind. You know, and so the first one is, you know, Francisco and Pedro, you know, choose who wants to go first. Can you let us know your favorite quote? And, you know, it can be, you know, a saying, it can be something that somehow guided, you know, your career or life that has some sort of meaning to you. Who wants to go first? I can go. I have one. I there have you go, Francisco. Um, I, I actually write these things down to, to reread. So <laughs> I was prepared for this. I was prepared for this. Um, so, I mean, I think that uh, this one is especially important given the, um, the crypto space and where we are right now. Um, so I think it's, it's a bit fitting. And it's uh, by Barack Obama. I don't remember exactly when he said it, uh, but essentially the quote is, don't wait for good things to happen to you. If you go out and make some good things happen, you will fill the world with hope. You will fill yourself with hope. Um, and so I think uh, I really enjoy this mindset of uh, essentially paying it forward, right? Which is yep. something that uh, at Town Protocol we also talk a bit about. And especially now that the space is a bit, I mean, uh, as we said, there's uh, our reputation went down a bit, right? But there are still a lot of good people here, good people in the space. Um, so let's do our own paying it forward and doing good things for, for the communities that are out there in the world. Very well. Powerful. How about you, Pedro? Yeah. I have uh, uh, one that I have I actually have um, a sledge with it. Uh -huh. uh, a tile. <laughs> a tile, yeah. And uh, it says in Portuguese, vida dura para quem é mal. So life is tough if you're soft. Um, can be interpreted in many ways. The, sure. the way I see it is uh, a reminder for resiliency. Uh, and this also for all aspects, individually or collectively, we need to be more resilient um, as a society, as individuals. Um, otherwise, we're going to have a tough time. Um, and uh, um, so, so, yeah, just a reminder to keep going, not give up. Um, and, um, you know, uh, that life is tough. That's almost like a fact, right? Uh, for yeah. pretty much all of us, unless you're like British royalty, and even them, I think even them, well. <laughs> even them the, their life could be tough. But um, life is tough for most of us, and if you're soft, then definitely that statement becomes your reality. Um, so yeah, it doesn't mean that you need to be an asshole or anything like no, that. No, of course not. not at all. It, it just means that um, you should, first of all, realize the situation and, you know, build up your mental, physical mechanisms to cope with, with that situation and also help other people around you not only be more aware, but also build theirs. And if you can do it together, that's a 10x even better. Agreed. <laughs> now let me ask you. What question would you like to make to each other? <laughs> I don't know who wants to start. <laughs> Do we need to answer the question? Uh, not really. <laughs> so if it is awkward enough, we'll just, you know, we'll just uh, have like a three-second silence and we'll assume it's answered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can, I can try to start and ask Pedro a question. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we talk every day and... Uh, uh, we already know each other pretty well, but I, I don't think I ever asked you this question. 
which is um, was there like a turning point or a moment in time when you found out how competitive you are or you just <laughs> born love it <laughs> I'm not competitive now <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, look I know people who are more, more a lot more competitive than I am um, so that's that's why I just said that uh, I don't think there was a moment in there so I, I'm not that self-aware uh, but it's a good question I guess <laughs> right. there you go I love it <laughs> how about you Peter? But, yeah, my question to you I know you like to play chess um, if you could pick anyone dead or alive to play chess with uh, who would he or she be? Hmm. yeah interesting um i'll probably go so i have two people in mind so paul morphy um for those that don't know he was he's like one of the the greatest minds in chess but um he lived i believe in the 19th century and so this was before like chess theory or people actually learning chess was a thing right so he just really understood the game and especially for people that are trying to learn chess nowadays um, you, you you have these computers you have so much information it's so hard to process but back then like the chess he played was simple and easy to be understood and so uh, perhaps him I'd say him well, very well so this is it. Uh, this is today's episode. You know, so first of all, Francisco, Pedro, thank you so much, you know, for being in the show today. It was super, super rewarding. You know, I think the people that watch the show or see or hear the show, they will learn about Talent Protocol. We spoke about Web3, about tokens, crypto, about DAOs. Just so, so, so informative, you know, about how easy it is and, and all the challenges on the space. So thank you all. This is today's episode. And that's it. That's a wrap. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Yeah. Bye-bye.